0: Today's uh, prayer prompt is about Baltimore. And it starts with a statement that I I know might even take some faith for you, even just in in getting started. So I'm going to read it and just lead us in prayer. Thank you. Thank you, God, for giving me the opportunity to live in Baltimore City. Please help me pray for and work for the peace of this city. God do miracles in our city. There we have some scriptures that are where we get those thoughts from, where we get those thoughts from. So obviously there are many, many topics uh, for Baltimore City and there are a number of them in the prayer prompts, but let's just uh, spend a moment in, in praying for our city out of this posture of we have been graced. Right? The, the lyrics of our worship songs have helped us understand we, we have been graced by a mighty God. And so it's not out of fear or anger. It's not out of desperation or focus on lack or problems that we pray. But it's with faith as the children of God out of a posture of being graced and with thanksgiving that we pray. Amen. God, we come together this morning thanking you that you've given us the opportunity to live in Baltimore City. Lord, you have been good to us. We thank you for it. And God, we even make a fresh commitment to seek you, to pray for our city, to pray for specific miracles. That's just things that cannot be done by humans. Things that are beyond our own ability Lord, we come to you today, we thank you for what you have done, and God, we ask for miracles. Lord, we want to see peace in our city. That is an an end to violence, an end to angry fighting, an end to revenge, an end to preemptive uh, killing. Lord, an end to the strife and the pain uh, that floods our streets, and a, a healing Uh, for those who have been traumatized, Lord, a healing, a strengthening, a repair of what is broken. And God, even in this new cycle for government, that there would be functional relationships, that the government would function as you see best. Lord God, that it would not be stymied by dysfunction. Uh, but God, that it would function for the peace of all the citizens, Lord, according to your will. God, let there be peace in our city, let there be opportunity in our city, let there be healing in our city, let there be a forging of new relationships and a repair of broken relationships. We ask you, God, for these miracles, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It is it should be uh, faith building to us to pray together for requests that are bigger than us. That's why uh, we do that regularly when we gather here and also uh, when we gather in, in small groups as well. Uh, this week, we're uh, celebrating uh, Iona's birthday on the 24th, a happy birthday to Iona, where uh, she's so full of life, uh, she is wonderful. And tomorrow is Chris's birthday. Say happy birthday uh, to to Chris. We we thank you, Chris, and uh, enjoy enjoying this church life together. Um, we look to Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. The King above all kings. And Jesus is a good shepherd. He's our example to follow, our guiding truth. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Matthew 4, Jesus is led into the wilderness by the Spirit. I think for some of us, uh, the past three years may have felt like a wilderness. What what is a wilderness? Well, at, at first, it's a place you haven't been before. Um, it's a place where there, there isn't restaurants and hotels, not even Airbnb, right? A wilderness is a place that's not been settled. Uh, and, and uh, you know, like the picture on the screen, we might think of uh, wilderness like our, our national parks here that are beautiful uh, parts of the God's creation that the government said there's not going to be any businesses or houses here. But in an in ancient sense, in this, the sense of the word used in Matthew chapter 4, a wilderness is a place where people chose to not live for reasons. And uh, Jesus is led into a wilderness. Maybe spiritually you have felt like the last three years have been a wilderness. Maybe you feel... Like things have happened, circumstances have changed, people have changed, opinions have changed. There's things, too many things happening that you don't recognize, that you're not familiar with, that you're not comfortable with, that we've, we've been talking about it for a few weeks. So maybe you, you find your, yourself in a place of being spiritually dry. Maybe you find yourself in a place of not knowing which way to go, needing, needing direction. We are in a new season. We haven't been here before. And this is a good thing. Because Jesus is our wilderness guide. I wanna look at this, Jesus in the wilderness in Matthew four. And I wanna talk about Jesus as our guide in the wilderness. But I wanna say first, If we're not careful, we can fall into a dangerous trap of thinking that because Jesus is fully God, that Jesus is perfect, and I'm never going to be perfect, so I'm not even going to try to follow Jesus' example. Or the thought of following Jesus just becomes discouraging. Something that we do out of guilt, and legalism. And that's not what Jesus called us to. That's not what Jesus taught. But instead that we would receive grace, forgiveness, salvation. That out of a place of being made clean by Him, receiving salvation, we would have this gratitude, this excitement to be in direct personal relationship with an uninterrupted relationship with him. So I want to just through winter and into the spring we're gonna every Sunday we're gonna be looking at Jesus. And I want to just call out from the beginning the danger of falling into the trap that following Jesus is not for you or not good or not helpful or fraught with difficulty and shame. We want to defray those things, peel those things away like a surgeon cutting away a tumor. Because they're in the way of your life-giving relationship with God. Does that make sense? Jesus is our, our wilderness guide. It says in the beginning of Matthew chapter 4, Verse 1, that he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, he was tempted, and he fasted. Now think about this for a second. How do we get this story? We get this story because Jesus told this story to his followers. It's passed down by the people who heard him tell it. Why would Jesus share this story? It's kind of personal. I'm not up here every week telling you about my temptations. Hello? That's not what you start conversations with. That's like a conversation for an intimate conversation, right? For people where there's that mutual support, there's a mutual understanding. But Jesus is leading them in this new life with God, And he tells them this story for their benefit. So as we read this story, I want you to hear it as though Jesus is telling you this story about himself. Does that make sense? Is that helpful? So Jesus is led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Now this... Phrase of Jesus being led by the Spirit for a time of personal prayer, we referenced that last week. That's not an uncommon thing. Jesus would at times go and be alone for private prayer. But this situation is unique. So then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and became very hungry. Has anyone ever become very hungry when fasting? Okay. Jesus did too. During that time, the devil, the the, the Greek word there is the tempter, came to him and said to him, if you are, watch this now, all three of these interactions, the devil, the tempter leads with a challenge to Jesus' authority, to Jesus' identity. And what I've found with people is that a lot of times when God does a deep healing, it's a healing that includes our personal identity. Because we see in the beginning in Genesis 1, 26 through 30, right, God gives us identity, value and a sense of belonging, right? If you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. The tempter comes, he knows Jesus is hungry, he says, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, Jesus is quoting Deuteronomy 8.3. We're going to look at the scriptures that Jesus quote in a minute. People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, if you are the Son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say, and the devil quotes Psalm ninety-one, ninety, who he will order his angels to protect you. They will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him, for the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil went away and angels came and took care of Jesus. Jesus telling this story about this time of temptation that precedes his public ministry. We're going to look at three elements of Jesus' response here as our example that we can follow, an example we can follow, because sometimes what happens in a time of fasting, when we take a break from food and other things that might usually soothe our soul, and God creates good things that soothe our soul, and that's not a bad thing. There's a good, good book by uh, Christian author Gary Thomas on Pure Pleasure. There, it, we should feel good about enjoying good things that God gives us, but when we take a break from those good things to be set aside, focused on God, a lot of times other things in our soul can rise to the surface. And when when things rise to the surface, we need to know what it means to follow the example of Jesus through the wilderness. So Jesus quotes Deuteronomy 8.3, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, for each of these points, we really could spend multiple sessions, talk for weeks, but I want to simplify it with this one simple lesson that we get from Jesus. What God is saying is more important than my next meal. Y'all know I love to eat. And one of the most challenging things through my health challenge of the past year was changing my diet, right? I love to eat. When we stop eating, and in the process of fasting, we realize that our spiritual craving is more important than our natural craving, we start to gather wisdom. We live in a time where knowledge has never been easier to access. Information. Knowing information has never been easier. And yet I don't know that we are increasing in wisdom. Wisdom is understanding what I should do about what I know. Spiritual wisdom in a time of fasting, the example of Jesus that we see here, is that what God is saying is more important than my next meal. When we get out of our normal daily rhythms, we start to realize what I see, what I touch, is not more important than what is spiritual. And I want to point something out here. for Jesus being able to quote the scripture is not an academic exercise. Mm-hmm. Right. I feel this so strongly in my spirit this week. Cuz some of us we start to get become a part of a church because we want to feel better about ourselves. And learning is a big part of it, but if we're not careful, we drift into a state where our activity becomes more important to us, what we derive feeling good about, than the actual relationship with God. And prayer and fasting puts us into a place of coming having a reality check about where our relationship with God is. And to Jesus, being able to quote the right verse at the right place and time was not an academic exercise. He didn't even say in Deuteronomy 8.3. It was about his relationship with God. And some people misuse even the phrase, in the name of Jesus. And you see, in the name of Jesus, that is a conditional phrase. It is, I am in right relationship with Jesus, and because of my right relationship with Jesus, I know what Jesus is saying. And that's the example of Jesus in this situation. Through the wilderness, 40 days of prayer and fasting, what God is saying. And I wanna put a question before you. Are you hungry to hear what God is saying? When I'm hungry to hear what God is saying, Nothing else can get in the way. I will change my life. I will change where I go, what I do, where I sleep, what I eat. I will change everything to get out of the distraction so that my spirit has a chance to hear what God is saying. And I will grow in the discipline of digging into the Scripture because I am hungry to hear the voice of the living God off the page. So much of the fighting and fussing that's going on in our culture right now. People who have drifted into spirituality being an academic exercise. Jesus even talked about people who could quote the word but did not know God. What God is saying is more important than my next meal. I'm hungry. Listening to God. That's the example of Jesus. How did Jesus know to go to the wilderness? He was led by the Spirit. The next one we see, Matthew 4, 7. Jesus responds to this temptation from the enemy to prove out what was said in Psalm 90. The devil, just like he did in the garden, gets God's word wrong, twists it, takes a little bit out of context. Jesus quotes Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 16. I don't have time to fully unpack it today, but that is when the people of Israel are in the wilderness. They've been freed from the slavery of Egypt God has led them. God provided for them the manna. God gave them food that just arrived. They didn't have to cook it. God provided for them food. And then they complained. And they, the word is tested. They argued God. They started to relate to God like the genie of the lamp. The word there is a testing. And that was the time and place where God told Moses to take the rod, to take the staff, to hit hit the rock and to have water come out. God references the fact that they were testing him. They were arguing with him and they were relating to him with presumption, presuming to tell God what to do. And they said, did you free us from slavery just to bring us out here to kill us? Now, how do you get to that place? when God led you through the Red Sea on dry land, and you saw miracles like have not been seen in history before or since, the same way we get where we are, when today's challenge feels like it's impossible, when today's challenge becomes the focus, when today's challenge becomes the only thing, what we fixate on, Some of you know I can be a little obsessive. I can fixate on things. So I can be careful about video games. I can be careful. We can fixate on the problem. And when we fixate on the problem, that's when how we relate to God can really get unhealthy. And that's what Jesus is speaking to. Jesus is saying, don't test the Lord your God, don't treat him like the genie of the lamp, don't get it twisted. Don't misunderstand who you are in the relationship. Don't presume to tell God what to do. You need a different perspective. So if Jesus is the wilderness guide. And what that means is that humility and alignment with God's will bring strength beyond the challenge. I've read multiple quotes from ancient Christians in 300 years after Jesus was here, and 400 years, and 500. Multiple early ancient Christians wrote about this. They noted that in this story, Jesus doesn't overcome the devil by power, he actually overcame the devil activating humility and grace. He had this powerful way. Of no, this is what a relationship with God is like. And when He taught His followers, and there's other things that He teaches them about: resist the enemy, and He will flee. Right, the, the devil is a dog on a leash; has limitations. They will overcome the Lamb by the, blood, by the blood. Overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. There's a lot of things in the book that teach us about how to interact with the enemy. But in this, Jesus gives us an example that humility and grace are powerful. And humility is coming to understand who God is and who I am. There is a God. I am not him. And that if I will walk in alignment with the will of God, there is power. And there is power to outlast the challenge. And they got this message so much that they changed the course of history. And the word that kept coming up as a result of them learning this lesson was endurance. What have we been talking about? Restoration and resilience. Rebuilding our resilience, and that doesn't come without a Holy Spirit shaping and molding our perspective. The example that Jesus gives us is humility and alignment with God's will that brought strength. To outlast the challenge. That phrase is from the definition of the word in the Bible. So Jesus' example gives us listening to God and following God's guidance. Now, in the last one, the tempter comes. and If you are who you say you are, look, I will give you the kingdoms of this world because God had provided and protected but permitted the enemy to have influence in the kingdoms of the world. He says, bow down and worship me, the tempter says to Jesus. And Jesus says, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only, quoting Deuteronomy 6.13. Now the context of what Jesus quotes at each time quoting through Deuteronomy is that in Deuteronomy chapter 5-26, through 26, Moses is giving the people the guiding truth and instructions that God had given him for them. And the primary message, and it lays out the covenant that God was making available, this covenant-loving promise between God and the people, the primary thing that God is calling the people to is wholehearted devotion. I, I want to use an analogy, and I know that it's, it might be a little sticky because there's a lot of different things that could be said on this topic. Recently, I don't know if you know, but the federal government for 60 years has been working on nuclear fusion. They're working on nuclear fusion and the National Ignition Facility finally had a successful experiment. It's complicated, but I was getting into it this week and it was kind of getting me excited. What's some of the ideas with Fusion. It's just a $3 billion facility. The federal government's been working on this for 60 years. Well, the goal, the idea is clean energy. where We're getting out more than you're putting in. And there's a lot more that could be said, but go with me on this. Energy that can fuel electricity for homes, vehicles, the grid, etc., 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 right? And now, with the kind of semi-successful experiment in December and the successful one in January, the next one that they're going to do with these lasers that generate more heat than we think is in the center of the sun. All this money, now billions of dollars are flowing from other companies into companies that are working on fusion. Clean energy, looking to get more out than we put in. Are you getting more out than you are putting in to your relationship with God. Now track with me now, I'm not talking about selfishness. What are we supposed to do in Ephesians, right? We're supposed to let our roots grow down into Christ's love. It's supposed to be sustaining, it's life-giving. It's supposed to bring us to place a picture we get in Proverbs and in Psalms of being like trees planted by the water that are fruitful in every season, even seasons when we're not supposed to be fruitful. And what happens with the tree roots? It sends the tree in the right direction. It gives the tree the life, right? If What I'm talking about... The energy that you're putting into your relationship with God, are you getting more energy out of it? Are you really drawing this spiritual energy from God? And I want to say something to you today that's in this lesson from Jesus. You must worship the Lord your God and serve only Him. Everyone that I have met that is drawing more from their relationship than the amount of work they're putting into the relationship is somebody who is a worshiper. There's a lot of things about me that you expect when we interact, the the good things, that didn't come naturally to me. Where God really shaped my personality and molded me and gave me motivation and gave me a sense of identity and value and purpose was after weeks and months and then years of being so moved by the good news of Jesus and the forgiveness and the new life that I all I could do was worship. And, and my choir director said, you're not a soloist. And I I grew grew up around professional musicians. I'm not a musician, I'm not a vocalist, but you cannot stop me from worshiping God with my whole heart. I love God and I will sing with the best of my energy. I will give God the best of my energy. I will worship God and serve Him only. And it is only through the weeks and the months and the years of brokenness, of letting go, trying to be somebody important, of letting go, trying to do life out of my own strength, of letting go of worshiping myself and making decisions to please myself before anything else, and letting go and forsaking that and realizing the error of that and walking away from toxic selfishness that fuels me, it motivates me. I'm telling you there is not a day that goes by that I'm not in the presence of God and someday we will stand before Jesus and you will find out if that is a lie or the truth. I can't I need the presence of God to live, to thrive, to have peace, to have joy, to endure the challenges of this life. Jesus gives us the fusion secret. Worship and serve God only. I posted in the church Facebook private group this week a Bible Project YouTube In the Psalms, in the Psalm 140, that phrase in the Hebrew, praise the Lord, is a direction to the people, all the people, to praise God. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. That's actually in the Psalms what it means. Watch the video. Worship God. When you're by yourself, When you're walking, when you're in the car, when you're in this place, when we're in small group, what does Jesus say? What does our wilderness guide say? Worship God and serve Him only. We first got a few months into the pandemic and I felt like I was in the wilderness. What are we supposed to do? I've told this story before. I started with quiet time before praying. Thanking God for my salvation. My salvation. Not the academic exercise, my salvation. And then making a fresh commitment to live for God that day. That really helped. It really helps. This is a nuclear fusion secret. Worship God. You will start to get spiritual momentum you didn't have before. The confusion, the difficulty, the struggle to focus in prayer, read the Bible, interact with God, the feeling like God's not listening to you, those things fade when you worship first, when you worship most when you do so out of grace and gratitude and thanksgiving with a commitment to serve God alone. Mm-hmm. It's a nuclear fusion secret. <laughs> All right, wrapping up real quick. I, I went too long. Jesus' example, listening to God, following God's guidance, worshiping and serving God. What do we do? Will we... Look to Jesus as an example of guiding truth. And in doing so, we listen to God and follow God's guidance. When God speaks and it becomes evident, do it. <laughs> and pray and obey. Worship God. Serve God. Give God the best of your energy, the best of your praise. And I want to just close to give us a hallelujah on the way out with a, a, a focus on Jesus and the goodness of Jesus because God has shown us love through Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And here's what we get from Hebrews chapter 4 about Jesus. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive His mercy. We will find grace to help us when we need it most. We're given an invitation to come to God after an encouragement about who Jesus is as our hero. Fully God, fully human, tempted in every way that we have been yet without sin the one who is in the presence of God as our priest even now. Let's close in prayer. Thank you, God, for sending Jesus. Thank you, God, that you loved us first. Thank you, God, that you're faithful in your love, you're compassionate. Thank you, God, you call us to confess where we've been wrong and turn away from it because you know that's no good for us. Thank you, God, that you are loving, gracious, kind. You've given us this example of Jesus. May we avoid the trap of thinking it's impossible. May we be inspired afresh to follow Jesus, our wilderness guide. Thank you for what you're doing in us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you so much for being here today for encouraging each other during the week. we have heard good stories. Uh, next Sunday, we are going to close out the fast together So, we encourage you to come ready to share a testimony about it, ready to enter into a time of prayer. Uh, next Sunday is just going to be great. Uh, grace and peace to you. Have a great week.